0: Hey y'all, it's Crystal, and it's not Samantha. <laughs> You're
1: supposed to say it, it's the cereal. <laughs> oh, my bad. <laughs> I was waiting for you. That's not my line. <laughs> <laughs> and it's Cereal Holic Sisters, true crime shit.
0: <laughs> hey girl, hey.
1: Hey girl, hey. <laughs> we have a special guest co-host today. It's the Shannon. We have a Shannon. Shannon. Samantha is not with us this week. She has all of the. School finals junk going on. And so there was a lot happening. And Shannon <laughs> really pulled through and was like, Well, guess what? I have something ready if you need it. And so she was like, Thank you. <laughs> and so she'll be back next week. Nope. And it, we, <laughs> right. She's got, she's, she's in her last two weeks of school for this semester. I don't not like the end of it. Lame ass trying to better herself. Right. <gasps> Just like half assed, like the rest of us. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so good at half assing. I'm, Never use my full ass ever.
0: <laughs> I don't have enough ass to full ass anything.
1: <laughs> so yeah, she's got a case ready, so I'm excited to to drink my wine and listen. and and it's blueberry wine, which I've never heard it of. It is. It's Celosa blueberry, and I hadn't heard of it either, and it's actually
0: quite tasty. Well, I'm drinking my sonic sweet tea. I like sweet tea. and she's terrible with caffeine, so she'll be up all night all night. After being up all night last night. <laughs> really need to get some decaf, but it's whatever. It's fine. Okay. Well, I guess I'll go ahead and start. I'm going to go ahead and blanker trigger warning. Oh, blanker. Blanker? Or blanket. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> blanket trigger warning. You're doing a good job, sweetie. Keep going. <laughs> good job. All that caffeine and like sleep. Blanket trigger warning. <laughs> because we always forget those until we get into the bad stuff. And then we're like, oh, hey, by the way. Yeah. We're real bad about that. Trigger warning for uh it's just it's it's a lot of violence a lot of blood and violence against kids which is yeah everybody needs a trigger warning we don't that. like that yeah no, not at all so i'm gonna tell you about you probably remember it because we were both pregnant at the time that this happened the lester street massacre
1: that's right we were pregnant what year was it 2008, it was 2008.
0: march of 2008 this is a local one to us guys it is it
1: happened in memphis tennessee which is not where we live, but it's close. It's, it's yeah. Don't try to find out where we
0: live. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to know where we live.
1: <laughs> so, so yeah,
0: this is a bad one. There's it, lots of, lots of bad. And you know, my dad, he moved away from Memphis two months after it happened. And so, you know, I didn't think he would remember anything about it. And I said something bad it to him. He's like, I remember that it was horrible. And I was like, oh shit, what's horrible. It was ugh, so awful. And Ever since you started this podcast, I've been telling him, like, do the Lester Street. She, has, she has.
1: It's this, a rough one. I don't like doing kid ones. I mean, but I will do them because it needs to be told.
0: I was typing my notes and I was crying, and my husband's looking at me like, what the fuck is wrong with you?
1: I'm just like, it's babies. It's babies. Don't worry about it. My joke is.
0: He's like, give me the computer. No more typing for you. Go to sleep. What's that? So the first thing I'm going to do before I get into what actually happened at Leicester Street is I'm going to tell you about the suspect, Jesse Dotson, who is known as junior to his family. This piece of shit, because that's what he is. Yes. He was born December 19th, 1974 in Memphis, Tennessee. He had an older sister, Nicole, and a younger brother, Cecil, who, of course, being a younger brother, looked up to him, thought he hung the moon. Mm-hmm. He um, didn't. He really he didn't. did not. He was a slimy piece of shit. So they grew up pretty poor and their mother Priscilla was regularly beaten by their father until one day she finally had enough packed up with the kids and left and they didn't see much of the father who was Jesse's senior. Okay. They didn't see much of him until I think they were grown. So growing up Jesse was bullied pretty bad to the point that he actually failed fourth grade because he never showed up to school. Oh. He was a problematic youth got into trouble a ute, ute. <laughs> what's a ute <laughs> if you watch my cousin Vinny, you know what a ute is so
1: chris and i went on date night last night for the first time in forever and we were very excited because we we're like we're grown-ups and we can do this because we don't ever do it And i don't know why <laughs> but we went to this this fancy place and we sat at the bar look at you and the tv in front of us was playing my cousin vinny and it had just started yes. and the subtitles were on so I could read it and I was the whole time we're like on this date night or whatever. I'm just like watching my cousin Vinny and it was amazing.
0: So did it actually say Ute, or did it? Put, I didn't get to that Ute? part.
1: Oh. I know. Well, it was on TV and there was commercials.
0: <laughs> we didn't stay for the whole movie. because you know. yeah, The movie is epic. It's the best. It's the best. <laughs> um, so he started getting in trouble at an early age. I'm not sure how old he is when this happened, but he was once thrown out of his grandma's house, his own grandmother for stealing money. But it was to buy food so i'm like well, uh-huh. like don't steal from your grandma but feed right. the kid just ask i
1: bet if you just asked her for some food she would have given you some did they not have free lunches and stuff back then at school i don't know i mean when, when was this like the 70s 80s 70s early 80s i don't know
0: i don't either i was not yet arrived shut up <laughs> <laughs> Um, in 1990 at the age of 15 jesse was charged with disorderly conduct for making threats against his mom when she was trying to discipline him a month later he was charged with assault after punching a 13 year old in the face and demanding 25 dollars from the kid well (laughs) rude right in the fall of 91 he was arrested again for disorderly conduct for making threats against his younger brother cecil when they were arguing their mother had separated them, but Jesse went all Hulk and like broke down the door and put holes in the wall, threatening to kill Cecil. That escalated. It was very dramatic. Yeah. Um, by the age of 16, Jesse dropped out of the eighth grade. Yes, I did say 16. I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> that's worse than the tryouts, 17 in the 10th grade. Oh,
1: yeah, that's that doesn't add up. He, he got held back more than just fourth grade,
0: apparently. <laughs> Um, In 1991, six days before his 17th birthday, he and some friends were pulled over by police who found a sawed-off shotgun and a 38 caliber pistol in the floorboard. Oh, shit. And of course, none of the stuff I found said he went to jail, but I think he went to juvie a few times. Okay. They're like, this is fine. Carry on. (laughs) We'll take these. you right. In 1992, he was again charged with disorderly conduct. He's so disorderly. He's so disorderly. Learn how to conduct yourself right um he was arguing with neighbors and throwing beer bottles at them oh yeah. that's not okay at some point he joined the kitchen Crips, which for those of you who don't know the Crips is a gang <laughs> i don't know what the kitchen part is i don't know if that's like boy scouts having troops i thought you were going to explain that to
1: me and you're like for those that don't know what this is i'm like i don't know what the kitchen Crips is <laughs> like, i was like okay is this their troop is this their area do they pay dues and stuff i don't know i don't either is also- this the, just are these the the cooks for the crips
0: <gasps> i didn't think of that they're like the chefs right they, they also if you're a kitchen crip please don't shoot me right or a crip anyone no nope. i nope. just i don't want to be shot <laughs> i don't <a> threshold for <laughs> pain <vein.
1: laughs> that's why i don't want to be shot because i don't have a threshold for <laughs> pain <vein. laughs>
0: So, at, uh, at the beginning of 1994, when Jesse was 19 years old, he killed Hallie Cox in a drug deal gone wrong, yeah. and then robbed him of $20. $20. Hairs. That's it? That's it. Okay. Yeah. I'm like, was it worth it? It oh. was not. It was not. These days, you couldn't even get, like, a Big Mac for that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Big Mac, sorry. I, I don't.
1: <laughs> I, all I can think about is that times I got misled by the McDonald's commercial, because... They kept showing Big Mac commercial. I never had one, and I was like, "Oh, this looks so good! I really want one." Special sauce. I love sauce, and <laughs> I would assume that I would love special sauce. I love all the sauces, but apparently, I do not because it's literally Thousand Island, which Thousand I hate. <laughs> I was so mad. I'd like for weeks been like, "I'm going to get a Big Mac. It's going to be so good." And I was like, "What the hell is this?" <laughs>
0: hey, also the McRib is back, which I guess is a big thing because I see it advertised. everywhere. Okay,
1: so I heart the McRib because I'm a trash person (laughs) my friend Dana does not like the McRib and she'd never tried it and one of these times when I came back at lunch one day at work I was like I'm going to get a McRib I'm so excited they're back and she's like I don't know about that I'm like oh no they're so good this was the most awful McRib I'd ever gotten ever was that day and she was so disgusted she's like it's a literal like not slab.
0: Slab, <laughs> slab of like bristle and just fake meat i don't even know what it is and i'm like well i really liked it when i was younger <laughs> you're not young anymore
1: whatever <laughs> that was a lot of mcdonald's talk in
0: the middle a lot of McDonald's talk. now i'm like what were we talking about <laughs> spicy mcchicken okay <laughs> so jesse killed this poor hallie cox and stole twenty dollars oh yeah that's awful <laughs> he was arrested and pled guilty to a reduced charge of secondary murder and was sentenced to 18 years in pre- pre- prison, prison prison 18 years in prison <laughs> of which he served 13 and a half years before being paroled in august 2007 family members claim that when he was released he harbored resentment towards his family for basically abandoning him when he was in prison apparently the whole time he was in there there was only one visit I don't know who it was that came to see him, but only one time. Okay. And he was pissed that no one put money on his books, so he couldn't buy any, you know, ding-dongs or co or (laughs) I guess cigarettes, too. I wouldn't Um, buy That's what
1: I just always think when prisoners buy stuff from the commissary. I don't know. They just get cigarettes? I would get snacks. And then you trade the cigarettes for better
0: things. Like snacks. Sure. Uh, His sister, Nicole, said he got hatred in his heart towards his family because when he did those 13 and a half years he felt like we was not there for him. Sorry, I'm awkward when I try to read <laughs> grammatically incorrect quotes. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> okay. So fast forward to late 2007 after Jesse's release from prison, his younger brother, Cecil, who, like I said, used to look up to him, is no longer interested in getting into trouble. Good. Good job, Cecil. He is, he, well, no. No. Yeah. no. Was, well, yeah. <laughs> okay. But, um he, he was a little cray-cray too, even. When yeah. He was trying to better himself, but it happens. I mean- So when he was nineteen, he kind of went through his own shit. Um, He joined a different gang called the Gangster Disciples or GD. I don't think there was any off branch. (laughs)
1: Okay, they did
0: not have a GD kitchen. (laughs) Now at the age of thirty, though, he was pulling away from that lifestyle. He maintained friendships with several of the members, but really was more concerned with like adulting and kind of handling his shit, being a boyfriend, fiance, whatever, and a dad. Okay, he had several kids he was raising a lot of kids a lot of kids a lot of kids do you know how many kids so one of the blogs i read from a reporter who was at the trial stated he had eight kids okay i only know of six. Oh. like in all the stuff i've read i've only heard six mentioned. who are the other two i don't know mystery children story children um that's a lot of children though it's, either way so six
1: is a lot like
0: so were they all living with him was he he was four of them lived with him okay um, four of them were by his fiance okay and then two of them he split time pretty equally with baby okay mama. okay or baby mamas okay because there's more than one all right <laughs> you do you. he had a job as a maintenance man for some apartment complexes and had just started renting a home on lester street in a binghamton neighborhood in memphis oh, lester street it's gonna get bad guys it's
1: so bad i'm not excited about this no thank you for coming and sharing your story with us
0: hey, you're welcome <laughs> Um, so he lived there at Leicester street with his fiancee marissa williams and some of his kids um so here's jesse he's just released from prison he's pissed at the world because his family abandoned him he didn't i mean have-
1: you're a murderer bruh <laughs> you stole money from your gmail and then you murdered
0: somebody <laughs> and you stole 20 dollars from them yeah you should have used that to buy your cigarettes in commissary right So now he's looking at his little brother. He's seeing he's got his shit together and he's just kind of salty. He's jelly, isn't he? He's so jelly. He's like, this could have been my life. I hadn't gone to prison. I mean, if you don't shoot people. (laughs) (laughs) There's that. Cecil, though, he was kind of a dick. Okay. Um, It's been said that he would kind of introduce Jesse as my bitch ass brother. Oh, okay. And he would make sure to tell everybody he just got out of prison, like that's kind of rude. That I mean, that is kind of rude. That is kind of rude. Didn't didn't need to go where it went, but stop calling him your bitch ass brother. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, hey, this is my bitch ass brother. That's he just got out of prison. His, that's literally what his I think it was his dad said that he was like, he would introduce him as this is Jesse, my bitch ass brother. He just got out of prison. Oh wow. <laughs> like okay. Right? That's a little uh um, <sighs> just what's
1: the word. Damn. Rude. Well, yeah. <laughs> Passive aggressive?
0: Okay. I was gonna say dickhead
1: sure
0: (laughs) your words a little bit bit nicer (laughs) um it's also said that when they would argue which they didn't argue a lot but it would just escalate quickly (laughs) an example and i don't know if you ever heard this because for a long time people thought this was what the leicester street massacre was over oh um at the beginning of 2008 (laughs) (laughs) cecil and jesse were hanging out at a friend's house and jesse got up put on cecil's leather jacket and went to leave oh Cecil stood up to stop him and Jesse, he said, Hey, bitch ass little brother. That's my jacket. Well, <laughs> Jesse was like, take it, take it and pulled the semi-automatic shotgun. Oh, cool. <laughs> now me, I'd be like, you can have it. That is your jacket now. <laughs> <laughs> You look nice in that jacket. Also, that's why nobody went visit your old bitch ass in prison. <laughs> or put money
1: on your books.
0: <laughs> Stop acting like that. So yeah, I would be like, you can have that jacket, and it looks fabulous on you, but not Cecil. <laughs> His little snitching ass reported that shit to the police. Oh God! <laughs> but Jesse wasn't charged. Okay. And I feel like I mean,
1: he was just like, he stole my jacket, and he pointed a gun at me, and they're like, he's on
0: parole. And he's a felon with a handgun or whatever. Kind yeah. Of and they were just like, tough shit. I guess. Cool. Like, hey, if you had done your job, maybe I wouldn't then, have this case. I would to say about. then we wouldn't be talking about this right now. <laughs> you, <sighs> but whatever. Thank you, Mrs. <laughs> police. <laughs> so now here we are at the time of the massacre, which. I don't want to be here. Let's go somewhere else. And I feel dramatic always calling it a massacre, but that's literally that's what it literally was. It's a massacre, yeah. And that's literally what it's called. So Mm. it's Saturday, March 1st, 2008. Cecil had a barbecue at his house. I was so pregnant pregnant and miserable and just fat, even though I wasn't that far along. I was was going to say,
1: I'm like, I was so pregnant. I was doing August.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I was already wearing maternity clothes because I like food.
1: Okay. Fun Um, fact about me and Shannon, we
0: had our babies one day apart. It's true. One day apart, and their besties, and they're actually only like eleven hours apart. And her son is constantly telling mine to respect your elders. It's true. It's so true. <laughs> he's very wise beyond <laughs> his years. <laughs> he's Captain America, and he's literally an old man. He is. It's adorable. He. he... So you know I have giant
1: feet. <laughs> yes, I <you> do. <laughs> I have ridiculously large feet. My one of my favorite pairs of shoes I have is the old school gray New Balance tennis shoes. Oh yeah, they're so, so comfy they're so comfy I just got a new pair like two weeks ago and this little punk ass bitch <laughs> wore my shoes to school today <laughs> because they fit him because he apparently doesn't have even more giant feet oh than my me. god well your husband has like giant feet he does he's a 13 and I'm 11 it's not good it's it's real unfortunate <laughs> for both my kids they are doomed but he, I, I wore I wear a four so my poor kid. <laughs> Yes, you used to get my daughter's hand-me-downs, but now they're too big for you. (laughs) But um, he was literally like an old man today. He wore my gray New Balances. With black socks. With long black socks. Yes.
0: Because he's awesome. (laughs) He's such an old man. With his old man glasses.
1: We were Christmas shopping the other day, and we were looking at socks, because we always need to get socks for them. They tear them up. And... Chris kept trying to get the wrong socks for each of them oh, God. I'm like Tyler's only gonna wear black and they're only only long Danielle no show black mm-hmm. and he kept getting it backwards and he's like why is he an old man I'm like that's how
0: you remember exactly. <laughs> he's a literal old man and then there's my kid who's like a happy balance between them he's wearing no show he doesn't care if they're black or not but they have to be like Adidas or Under Armour and they're he's li- very bougie about his brand he's so bougie and I'm, I'm like, like Walmart <laughs> and I'm like dude we live in a trailer
1: Yes, I'm like Walmart because you're going to tear them up anyways. (laughs) I was going to say, and they'll last him a week because he does not wear shoes ever. He's always, every time I see him when he's at my house outside, in socks outside,
0: I'm like, where are your shoes? Like his baseball coach literally was calling him Shoeless Joe Jackson. That's true. He didn't know who that was, but (laughs) but yes, that was sad. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, back to Lester Street. I
1: don't want to go back. See, I tried
0: to steer I like us away for You did us on a little bike trail. I did. And I just got us right back. Rude. <laughs> so Cecil was having a barbecue at his house at 722 Leicester Street. Several people came over to watch the Memphis State basketball game, which is actually University of Memphis. But if you're from Memphis, it's Memphis State. Go Tigers. Also, also that's not my team, but you know. <laughs> yeah. Also, all these people came over for the barbecue and then he couldn't even get the channel to pick up, so oh my god <laughs> why didn't you check that beforehand how mad were all those people though i guess i mean they was drinking they were smoking they didn't care. Oh, they didn't care and i don't i don't know if netflix was a thing back then but like i think back then
1: netflix was still the point where it was like DVD mailed you in the mail yeah the okay. dvd mails
0: i'm pretty sure probably so anyway, i could be wrong <laughs> <laughs> it's been a long time ago mm-hmm. but so yeah everyone even though they couldn't watch the game they're having a good old time um, and at some point Cecil and his half-brother Willie Waddell. It might... You're gonna say Willy Wonka. <laughs> I was gonna say I'm saying Waddell because I don't know if it's pronounced Waddle but I don't want to call him that. Oh is it like W-A-D-D-E-L or <laughs> yep W-A-D-D-E-L-L. Mm. So I'm calling him Waddell. I think Waddell is right. Okay
1: well but i enjoy waddle more (laughs) (laughs) so cecil and willie went to pick up
0: jesse after he got willie waddle though is that not a good name that is it's like a weeble wobble but it's a willie (laughs) waddle whatever so anyway um they went and picked up jesse after he got off work and brought him over to cecil's house and several people who were there saying it was just it was just a really good day Hmm. the brothers were getting along the kids were playing they were having themselves a big old time playing with uncle jr because don't forget that's jesse's nickname
1: uncle jr
0: uncle jr don't play with uncle jr yeah uncle jr's a bad man Mm -hmm. so as the evening went on people started going home and at some point in the late evening cecil jesse and a friend of theirs hollis seals went to willie hill's house willie hill is not willie waddell okay so willie hill was a fellow gd uh member whatever you call them fellow gang member yeah that was super close to Cecil and his family the three of them went over to Willie's house to get Hollis's gun Hollis, we, don't, we don't need that right now guys. <laughs> we don't need that Hollis had just gotten out of prison and Hill was holding it for him and he's quoted as saying it was a German P2 or something that used 380 caliber bullets which I find that strange because I figured gang people would like know more about guns right especially their guns like I feel like isn't that like a big thing I mean, I could see myself saying it was a German P2, but I wouldn't even know that much. I could not see myself. I'd be like, it's silver. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I even had to ask my husband, is that how you say it? 380 caliber? It is a 380 caliber. Yes, (laughs) I do know that. (laughs) So Hill claimed he did not see Cecil that night because they had had a falling out. On Valentine's Day, about two weeks before, they had been out with their girlfriends and Erica Smith, who is one of Cecil's baby mamas. So Cecil and Erica had gotten into an argument and she ended up going back to Hill's apartment with Hill's girlfriend. Cecil, because, you know, I told you he was, he was growing, but he was still doing some stupid shit. Mm -hmm. He then rammed Erica's car into a tree in front of the apartment complex. That is stupid shit. And then was acting a fool and cops arrived and he told them that Hill's apartment was a dope house. Okay. So Hill was obviously not happy with Cecil. Hill's the one that just got out of prison? Hollis got out of prison. Hill was holding the gun. Okay um now hill hollis and cecil were all gangster disciples okay but hollis was the one who just got out of jail got it um he hill actually later told a fellow gd member cato about what happened and cato told hill to write him up which hill didn't do and apparently in gang speak if cecil was written up he'd have to be disciplined in some way i guess it's like getting a referral at school okay like a pink slip a pink slip was like you were fired (laughs)
1: Yeah, but I remember, like, I'm, I'm thinking, like, kindergarten days. Like, <laughs> I got on red. Right. Don't, don't get on red again. That's not good.
0: I got on red a lot. Stay away from red. <laughs> <laughs> so, back to March 1st, the three guys left Hill's house and went back to Cecil's house. So, Erica Smith uh, called sometime after 1 a.m. Sunday morning to make arrangements to pick up her two-year-old son with Cecil, Cecil II. He's also called man man. So that's what I'll call him. So man, man, that's really cute. So she so she's going to go pick up man man at 1 a.m. No, she was calling at 1 a.m. She was calling Cecil to make arrangements to pick him up the next day. Okay. Apparently they had uh, plans to go to church and she was just kind of. Yeah. Verifying, I guess, at one in the morning. At
1: one in the morning. Cool.
0: So when she first called, she could hear Cecil and Jesse arguing and he said he would call her back. And then when she tried calling him back a little bit later, she never got an answer. As Sunday went on, she continued to call and get no answer. And since they were supposed to go to church together and he didn't show, she finally went by his house. She stated that the storm door was closed, but the main door was cracked open and she heard the radio blaring. FYI, it was uh, Alicia Keys. Oh, calling? <laughs> <have> no, idea. <laughs> um, she just said it was Alicia Keys. And I was like, dang, memory. Okay. Um she heard the- also, I bet if there's something dramatic like that, you would remember. Well, but that wasn't when she found out it was traumatic. Right. So, um, but she didn't hear see anyone inside. So she left. Okay. She was just like, okay, can't get a hold of my
1: wait, no. So the doors open, except not the storm door. Yeah. And you hear the radio. And you can't get a hold of baby daddy and you're trying to pick up your two year old, so you just
0: left. No. Yeah. No, girl. (laughs) That's not how I would have handled that. At all. Okay. Well, so the next day, Monday, she went by his work. And when he wasn't there, she knew then that something was wrong. Okay. that took a second. Took a minute. Yeah. Um, You're cute though. (laughs) She called Cecil's sister, Nicole, so someone could go by and check on everyone. No one did. Nobody went and checked on everyone. Nope. So Erica called um, the half brother, Willie Waddell, who brushed her off and told her to call police. Again, I thought
1: you were going to say Wonka.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, he brushed her off and told her to call police, which thankfully she did. Um, one of the first officers on the scene was Randall Davis, who immediately called homicide detectives before even stepping foot in the house. Oh, he said, as soon as he opened the storm door, he could smell death in the air. Oh no. While waiting on homicide detectives to arrive, he and two other officers went through the house checking to see if there were any survivors. So again, trigger warning Hmm. when entering the home. Wait, wait, wait. I need more wine for this. All the wine. I, All, need, I need my sweet tea. Yeah get your get your.. Sip. Club, club, club. We hear the wine. Don't judge my poor amount. <laughs> <laughs> it was actually rather low. So when entering the home, four adult bodies were found in the living room. The victims were 30 year old Cecil Dotson, his 27 year old fiance Marissa Williams, 33 year old Hollis Seals, and his girlfriend, 22-year-old Shindri Rogerson, All four victims had been shot. The living room looked like a bloodbath. Cecil had been shot eight times total in the head, neck, chest, and legs. Dang. Marissa had been shot five times in the head, chest, abdomen, and legs. Hollis was shot once in the mouth and twice in the chest, while Shindri was shot four times in the legs. And I, I guess they had an artery.
1: Oh, so she essentially bled out. Yeah which is awful how long
0: did that take i mean oh my god think about it the last time that erica heard from cecil was at one in the morning right sunday morning and this is you know six o'clock monday so evening. she
1: could have potentially been, been saved. saved
0: right um yeah <laughs> as if that wasn't bad enough as police went further into the house they found five more victims in the back bedrooms and a bathroom all presumed dead four-year-old samario dotson was stabbed once in the chest and beaten repeatedly with a blunt object later revealed to be a piece of wood possibly a two by four Uh,
1: like why i don't understand i'm gonna keep saying this i don't understand so you shoot the adults and then you like completely lose it and stab and bludgeon
0: small children just babies Mm. erica smith's son two-year-old man man had been stabbed seven times mostly in the head and oh both God. children were pronounced dead three other children miraculously survived and i'm serious it was a damn miracle so nine-year-old cecil dotson jr who i'll call cj so we don't get cecil man man and cj mixed up lots of cecils going on so many cecils um cj nine years old he was found in the bathtub with a four inch knife blade sticking out of his skull i forgot about that yeah it was embedded in there Mm -hmm. he was presumed dead until officer davis saw his eye twitch Mm. when cj arrived at the hospital doctors found a large laceration from the back of his scalp to his forehead a skull fracture from blunt force trauma and several stab wounds some of which were defensive wounds for mm, baby. Officers also discovered five-year-old Cedric Dotson with multiple injuries to his face and head, as well as stab wounds to one eye, his forehead, and neck. He was comatose when he arrived at Le Bonheur, which is the children's hospital here. It is. Two-month-old Sanaya Dotson also survived the attack. She had a stab wound in her head that exposed part of her skull, mm. a depressed skull fracture. Her brain was mildly bruised, and her lower extremities had stab wounds. They had been lying in their home with these injuries for approximately 40 hours before oh being God, discovered. Poor babies. Yeah, so like I said, that was a miracle. Mm-hmm. Back at the scene, the homicide. I'm pe- so mad at the other girl for not going in the house and checking. <sighs> then again, at the same time, like, I don't think she should have gone in and checked because imagine finding your baby. Right, yeah. But why wouldn't you call that I, day? Yes, call. Just have somebody else
1: check. Hey, I can't get a hold of them there i can hear music in the house but nobody's in there yeah or nobody's going to the door check.
0: can you come check it out like just do it i mean not only because these babies suffered for 40 hours but also who knows who could have been saved right who
1: knows and it doesn't hurt oh you don't want to, it doesn't hurt to check if nothing's
0: wrong it's fine the cops are going to be like hey at least she gave a shit right mm. Ugh. okay yeah I think that got my blood pressure up too yeah Um, so back at the scene homicide detectives had arrived they were sergeant tony mullins and lieutenant tony armstrong as well as sergeant rick davidson who became the case coordinator riding along was the film crew for a and e's the first 48 so if this seems familiar to y'all you've probably seen it on the first 48 right the detectives immediately blocked anyone from going inside the house unless okayed by them they suited up and went in and were immediately mystified to them, it looks like the bodies of the adults had been moved and the crime scene staged. Two of the victims have drugs planted on them. Shindri Roberson's purse was dumped out, but her purse was not found. And Hollis Seal's wallet was lying next to his body. And everyone but Marissa Williams' pants were pulled down. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Why, though? They never, re- they think that he was trying to stage it to look like like what that's a lot of that's just all over the place though well and they later said they were like we don't know if this is supposed to be a drug deal going wrong if it's supposed to be a robbery you right know, what we don't know so police suspected shindri had been shot while seated on the love seat but then had been drug onto the floor they found a large pool of coagulated blood where they assumed she had been sitting but there was very little blood under her body on the floor there were two hairs found under her body which quite honestly the way they've described the place it was well lived in. Oh. Quote unquote. So that, okay. the hairs might have not been right. And they, they and there was a ton of people there. Like yeah, that could have been any anything. of the victims here. Any And it's not a great neighborhood. I mean I'm not saying it's like ghetto or anything, but it's not a great neighborhood. So who knows how clean it was before they even moved in. That's true. Police knew her pants were on correctly before being shot due to the location of the bullet holes. A bag of crack cocaine had been placed near her girl parts. Oh. Yeah. That's not necessary. That's still unnecessary. Right? Fibers from a pillow were found on Cecil's chin and mouth, suggesting that the pillow had covered his face when he was shot. The majority of his gunshot wounds were to the front of his body, but he was found in a kneeling position with his torso facing the couch. He was shot with two different guns. A big bag of weed was placed in his hand, and according to police, it was big enough that his hand couldn't completely close around it, and he would have dropped it when shot. Police also believe that Marissa's body was moved after being shot due to the location of blood around her body and one of her legs being positioned on top of shindries. And that Seal's body also appeared to be moved slightly based on the blood pattern.
1: Okay.
0: In one of the bedrooms, Samario was discovered face down in a pool of blood. He was the four-year-old.
1: Okay.
0: Sometime during the night, he had entered the bathroom. This was evident by a bloody handprint found on the wall. Oh police believe he was attacked in the bedroom then the bathroom and then the bedroom again
1: oh
0: man man and cedric were both found in a second bedroom and there was just blood spatter everywhere so man man cedric survived cedric survived he was five at the time uh-huh. and man man is erica smith's two-year-old so he, son he did not survive um it appeared man man was assaulted on the bed but then moved to the floor and then little two-month-old Sonia was in her bedroom and there was blood spatter everywhere mm. Broken off knife blades and handles were found throughout the house, as well as pieces of wood that were used to beat the children. And it's just insane. It's so insane. They said that basically the house was a wreck. The kitchen, there was like silverware, like the trays that the silverware go in, like just stuff dumped all over the floor, which is where the person got the knives. mm -hmm, But then, like, (laughs) the uh, master bedroom was just untouched because there was no one in there. I wonder if this is like a, I don't know, like was he on drugs? it's just so it's it's
1: chaos it's, it's chaotic, like, <laughs> <so> chaotic.
0: <laughs> well and super strange a plastic bag full of nine millimeter and 380 caliber shell casings were found on a couch underneath a jacket like detectives assumed that the suspect or suspects were trying to collect them to take with them but then set the bag down and forgot about it oh okay so over the course of three days evidence was collected and sent off to the tennessee bureau of investigation for evaluation And while this was happening, detectives were trying to figure out a motive. In their minds, there had to be multiple suspects. There was no way one person could do all this. Was it gang-related? Because remember, Cecil was a member of the GDs. Mm -hmm. Was it a drug deal gone south? Home invasion? You know, what happened? They interviewed Cecil's daughter, Sierra, who had been at her mother's house that weekend, thank God. I was going to say. I think it was her birthday weekend, too. She had just turned 13. She said- Traumatizing? She said she had overheard her dad and Uncle Jr. talking about stealing some guns the Friday before the murders happened. Cool. So, could this be retaliation? They questioned relatives. They got tons of tips from Crime Stoppers, and they even got a sort of statement from nine year old CJ. He claimed that some man named Roderick or Roger came in that night and told Cecil, never stop playing with the gang boy, and that he got too big. To keep in mind that during this taped interview he was still pretty out of it I so he just had a very traumatic very traumatic i mean in surgeries and all kind of he I, had I'm a knife kicking out of his head he sat there for 40 hours and um lieutenant caroline mason was one of the people who helped conduct the interview and she said he would just start to like hyperventilate his heart rate oh, would go poor up baby. so detectives interviewed jesse who claimed that cecil had a falling out with a fellow gd member doc Holiday and that a meeting had been called. Because it was not Doc Holiday.
1: <laughs> that is not Doc Holiday. <laughs> I'm sorry, is he an old Western cowboy?
0: You gonna be my Huckleberry? <laughs> I'll be your Huckleberry. <laughs> but so supposedly a meeting had been called by the higher-ups in the gang, and Cecil had skipped it, which was like a big no-no. Detectives then heard from another member of the Gangster Disciples, who said that Cecil, uh, he had been with Cecil a couple weeks before, and Cecil told him people were looking for him. He apparently owed someone like around $300,000 for drugs. Oh, shit. And mentioned something about the mafia. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Cops were a little suspicious of this guy's statement, though, because for one, he'd only met Cecil the one time. And two, no one's going to front that kind of money unless the person has someone to move those drugs, which is going to be bringing the money in. But Cecil wasn't like in the money. So you sound like you know what you're talking about. (laughs) (laughs) he did not have a bunch of money at the house basically i believed it (laughs) so rick davidson then tracked down an ex-member of the gds who agreed to come in and talk he verified that if cecil was written up he probably would have been given a death violation oh and that sometimes when a death violation is issued in a gang a blackout team would be sent in to wipe out the entire family what (laughs) is this
1: for life is this a movie <laughs> like, that's a little dramatic so like a bunch of ninjas and
0: all black just would come in and take out the whole family but not just like you and your wife and kids like your grandmas your aunts your uncles your moms your sisters your brothers
1: it's a thing <laughs> gangs are
0: bad okay like why? why didn't you just give them a warning you could have gotten detention or something right So after hearing this, Lieutenant Armstrong gave the uh, order to put the remaining family members in protective custody, which was 10 people total, not including the hospitalized children. He had already put out strict orders that no one was to see the children without his approval. Even the family hadn't been, hadn't been allowed. And actually at first they weren't even allowed to know who survived. Oh my gosh. I can imagine. No, I cannot. So before police round up the family, Mm. I know I was like, I don't I don't like I understand his reasoning, right. but I don't like that yeah so before police could round up the family Nicole their sister started to receive phone calls to her cell phone from her empty apartment nope. stating that her family was in danger I think landlines were still a thing are you time. a danger girl I have a landline still <laughs> I keep forgetting <laughs> so she went to police who went to her apartment and found nothing like there was no one there there was no signs of forced entry well, that's creepy as shit it's, like i can't imagine how scared that family was yeah can you imagine like all these people just were murdered they haven't gotten to see the babies they're in protective custody they're getting phone calls from an apartment that's supposed to be empty Mm-mm. i would be freaking the fuck out right like hail to the no. The so then to top off this shit show when Memphis police officer Lenise Stepney showed up to put the family into protective custody, Jesse flipped his shit and held a gun to his own head, Oh. yelling that police were going to try to pin the murders on him and that he wasn't going back to prison. Like, quit making it all about you. I mean, come on now, right? <laughs> you diva. Everything's not about you. <laughs> so several family members tried to calm him down, and after a while, the officer was able to get him on the phone and convince him to put the gun down. So now it's March 7th four days after the murders were discovered and CJ's making another statement to Lieutenant Mason. He's a little more cognizant this time around and his interviews easier to follow and lo and behold when police asked him who stabbed him he states Junior. We all remember who Junior is right? Just Jesse. His funky ass uncle. Funky ass uncle. Funky, funky ass uncle funky that ass uncle pulled Jesse. a gun on Cecil over a coach. Oh, I just said Uncle Jesse and it made me think of Full House. <laughs> I know I had to keep doing Uncle Junior, not Uncle Jesse. Uncle Junior. Because Uncle Jesse is fine. Okay. So, yeah, the funky ass uncle who had a bit of a temper. Um, I mean, he served time for murder. He put a gun to his own head. He's been telling police it's all due to a gang dispute. And he's basically a lying liar who lies. Why do you love lying? Lying piece of shit. So, Lieutenant Mason immediately called Lieutenant Walker. Armstrong. To tell him what CJ had just said. And Armstrong was about to go into a meeting with the heads of the local DEA. And he said, don't tell anyone and I'll call you after the meeting. He wa- he didn't want officers to stop working on the case because he didn't know Jesse was truly the suspect. Right. After the meeting, he had a tech officer pull Jesse from protective custody and bring him to the station. During his initial interview that night, Jesse wouldn't say anything to officers or only gave them like one word replies. He just kind of sat back with his feet kicked up on the table cool you dick right i hate this guy Ugh. so eventually armstrong went in there to conduct the interview the only recording available of this is from the first 48 because the memphis pd at the time had a policy against recording homicide interviews and relied heavily on note-taking which i think is very stupid yeah right? that's real dumb apparently they've it's been an issue in several court cases I'm murder sure. cases, and th- everyone claims it's a policy but they couldn't find where it was where actually called- oh my god <laughs>
1: like no it's a rule y'all and they're like it's not a rule though
0: again that's the memphis pd for you hey we love you though i backed the blue
1: god that was awkward
0: (laughs) (laughs) so they would write down statements and then the suspect after all corrections were made they would initial each page and sign it so over the course of seven hours jesse and armstrong talked about family religion and what happened the night of the murders Jesse became visibly upset several times and was struggling to keep his composure. Cause you're feeling guilty. At one point he was crying and stated, they dead. There ain't nothing to talk about. After a while, Armstrong played Jesse the recording of CJ's statement. Armstrong said, Junior. That's what the fuck he said. He didn't mix it up, but you fucked up and you left somebody alive at that goddamn house. You left somebody alive that can identify your ass. A child called your name, Junior. And when you see it on the first 48, I'm like, fucking get them. Mm-hmm. I know. I'm like, just listening and intently like, oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm getting goosebumps <laughs> and I'm like, it's not even me. No. <laughs> so in the early morning hours of March 8th, Jesse finally broke down and confessed. He said, we was out riding. We got to arguing. We argued all the way to the house. Then we got out and we went in the house. He was still shooting off. He claimed Cecil reached for his shotgun. So he started shooting. The kids saw him, so I tried to get rid of the kids. I stuck them. Mm -mm. He then stated he left the house on CJ's bike, which was later found at Jess's girlfriend's house. Like bicycle? Bicycle. On the nine-year-old's bicycle. Yeah. Okay. Not to be confused with a trike or a
1: tricycle. Oh my God. (laughs) I was so confused.
0: So She texted me today. (laughs) Um, I I work at a motorcycle dealership and- (laughs) You might know it. It's called Harley Davidson. (laughs) (laughs) And a customer bought a trike. you know a motorcycle truck no nobody knows that (laughs) (laughs) so many people know that and he he I don't know what happened but he barely bumped up against my car and I mean it didn't do enough damage to actually matter I wish he had totaled it but whatever without (laughs) hurting himself but when I texted her and she was like I am confusion (laughs) She was like a man just hit my bumper with a trike
1: and yada yada I'm like I am so confused a trice a man on a tricycle like (laughs) what is happening and she's like no
0: so i had to send her a picture of what a motorcycle trike is she's like i've never heard of that." i I did not know that was a thing motorcycles have two wheels (laughs) (laughs) thank you so yes he stole the little nine-year-old's bike that he left a knife stuck in his head and then went to his girlfriend's house so when armstrong continued to question him for more details he asked for a lawyer and to see his mom He told her what happened and she cried (laughs) yeah but she stood up and hugged him and told him she loved him so he was arrested and charged with six counts of first-degree murder and three counts of attempted murder it took over two years for this to go to court but the trial finally began on september 27th 2010 16 jurors 11 women and five men were brought in from davidson county okay metal detectors and x-ray machines were placed outside the courtroom doors like not just the courthouse but the courtroom because gangs (laughs) yeah i was like Mm -hmm. so the prosecution was headed up by ada raymond lapone and the defense was run by gerald skein and marty mcafee judge james beasley presided over it the prosecution had their hands full because let's be real once jurors saw the pictures of the crime scene Mm -hmm. no one was going to believe that there was only one perpetrator that's what i'm saying that's why i was like is was he on drugs
1: and like just (laughs) like coked out and crazy or like like, like, what what i don't understand how one person can do all because four adults and then all these kids like how one person could go
0: through and i don't get it i don't either so the defense on the other hand felt that their biggest obstacle was going to be jesse's confession But come on, it was coerced after several hours of being interviewed. The only witness was a traumatized nine-year-old who gave two conflicting statements. Cecil was a known gang member. This is cut and dry. Jesse's innocent. No. (laughs) No, he's not. So day one of the trial and prosecution called in first responders, paramedics, and Sergeant Tony Mullins. It was all pretty standard questioning. What did you see? What did you do? Et cetera, et cetera. They basically all said the same thing. This was the worst thing I've ever seen. Right. I'll never get over this. Mullins was shown pictures and exhibits and evidence and all of that fun stuff that I don't know anything about.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Defense attorney Skane questioned the fact that no DNA evidence was found anywhere linking Jesse to the crime. No DNA
1: evidence?
0: No DNA evidence. Did <laughs> I say it wrong? I just heard DNA evidence. <laughs> <laughs> There's no telling. So
1: the Harris... Okay. <laughs> but he was there all day they were all there there all
0: all day like i don't understand like there's going to be dna regardless right so the hairs which we already talked about they were inconclusive but who knows if they right um there was none of his blood on the scene and his fingerprints were found on things such as cans of beers that could easily be explained okay right
1: and there's no blood so he shot all the grown-ups so they didn't have to get close to him. And the kids
0: were nine and under. So. Right.
1: So yes, they're going to try to fight back, but it's not really going to do anything. No,
0: he, they didn't have knives. Right. Even in a clip, though, from the first, 40, first 48, it was stated that the epithelial cells should be found on the knife handles and wood pieces. I don't know what an epithelial cell is. I don't, I, I don't know. <laughs> I was like, I should Google that. That's, um, okay. But, no, you know, none, nothing was found. So I don't know. So, hey, isn't it fair to question that Jesse's DNA is missing at the scene? And Mullins reluctantly agreed that it was indeed a fair question. Epithelial cells are a type of cell that
1: lines the surfaces of your body. They're found on your
0: skin, blood vessels, urinary tract, and organs. How is that on the surface of my body? I don't know. But so basically, if you touch stuff, your epithelial cells should be left. Right. Maybe he had gloves on. It was March. I mean, it's not like it's super cold in March, but I'm sure it's not warm. I don't know. I don't know who knows he might have wiped shit down right so um he was on the stand Mullins was on the stand for more than three days followed up by forensic witnesses testifying about the evidence such as the hairs and beaded piece uh, pieces of beaded hair that were found near samario's body okay basically he'd been hit so hard that some of his oh yeah Again and again, defense pointed out there's no DNA evidence tying Jesse Dotson to this crime scene. Like
1: that's all you got. He confessed. He's I get a piece very of angry at defense lawyers when you know they did
0: it. I know that's your job it's or whatever. It's got to be the shittiest job. It's but got to be the shittiest job. Some of them, like and I, and I don't know Leslie Ballin and um, you know some of those people might be very nice people, but when you take on these cases knowing they're pieces of I shit, know. like you have to know, like you I, have sold your soul to Satan. How do you sleep? Like I don't get it. So on day seven, the prosecution brought in Willie Hill to disprove the gang theory. So many Willies. So many Willies. He was the one that was holding Hollis Seal's gun. Okay. Um. He was asked to explain how disputes are handled in gangs and who makes decisions regarding punishments. He was asked about his falling out with Cecil and what he heard about Cecil's problems with Doc Holiday. <laughs> Willie told the jurors about the Valentine's Day incident and his later discussion with Cato. He never went to any higher up members of the gangster disciples with this issue and as far as he knows Cecil and Doc were arguing about drywall. Like he wasn't sure of all the details but apparently Cecil started a drywall job for Doc and never finished it. Nothing that would entail having his entire family taken out. Right that's 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 if so you are insane sir. Right. He also said that knowing how the gang used to work they would be able to get Cecil alone pretty easily and wouldn't have to come to his house at two in the morning skein was then called into question hill and his mission of course was to shred his credibility and i ain't ain't gonna lie he was he was he was a little on point yeah he said it sounds like you've got a lot of experience mr hill how many apartments have you gone into and killed people and when willie answered none he asked is that as true as everything else you've told us today oh "Oh, snap snap or doodles so willie he got a little feisty back and yeah he stated, you learn that stuff when you join a gang. You're given info to study, just like when you become a defense lawyer. Oh. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. shots fired. Spicy. So Willie spicy <laughs> <laughs> Willie admitted that he did call fellow gang members when he heard about what happened at Leicester Street, and he did say they went too far thinking it was a gang-related hit. He was really close to Cecil and his kids and said if it had been a gang hit, he would have gone after the ones who did it. The next day, prosecutors called Kara Jones to the stand. She's the daughter of Sheila Jones, who was Jesse's girlfriend at the time of the murders. Okay. She testified that around 4 a.m. on March 2nd, Jesse showed up to their house unexpectedly. She let him in and went back to bed, but before falling asleep, she heard Jesse in the bathroom with water running. The next day, she saw a bottle of bleach in the hallway and bleach stains on the bathroom rug. Oh, no. Next up on the stand was Sheila Jones, who stated that after Jesse was arrested, she tried to get him to cooperate with police, and he told her they got to figure it out. <sighs> then Jesse's sister, Nicole, she testified that at the crime scene, Jesse warned her not to talk to the media or cooperate with police because they would just try to pin it on him. And I'm like, she doesn't give a fuck about you or the media right now. She's freaking the fuck out because there's all these dead people right, in and this house. Also, you pinned it on you. <laughs> Why do you keep bringing it up, <laughs> dumbass? You pinned it on you. <laughs> So on day nine, the prosecution called their most important witnesses. First up was CJ, Aww. who was now 11. Okay. The camera was not allowed to video him, but he was described as being a bit small with a quiet demeanor. Yeah. several times he was asked to speak louder because he was
1: just Aww, so sweet, sweet baby speaking. angle.
0: Um, he acknowledged that the, he acknowledged the original statement he gave regarding regarding a man named Roderick. Mm-hmm. He never gave much of an explanation as to where he came up with that info but he was adamant that junior's the one who did it. He stated, this is the part that really gets me. Oh, he stated he was in his sister's room watching TV. When he heard gunshots, mm. he went to the entryway and saw his uncle pointing a gun at his daddy, then saw smokes and sparks come out of the gun. Now keep in mind people, he was nine. Cause this next thing you'd be like, what the what? Yeah. He went back to the bedroom and shortly after Jesse came in there with a knife and cut CJ's neck. Like me, my first thoughts would be, why wouldn't you call the police? But he's not. He's He's just like, I don't know what's going on.
1: I'm surprised that he didn't run out there to check on his ad or something like that, which would have been awful.
0: Awful. awful.
1: He probably would have been shot at that point and killed.
0: So Jesse came in there with a knife and cut CJ's neck. CJ told his uncle he loved him. And Jesse replied, no, you don't. Oh my God. Two-year-old man-man started crying and Jesse reassured him that he wasn't going to be hurt. The lying lying sack of shit mm-hmm. because man man was one of the ones that was killed mm-hmm. so at this point jesse went into the hallway to call police and everything just kind of escalated junior started stabbing him and he was blocking the knife as best he could and then jesse put Wait, him- who went to call the police cj okay i
1: thought you said jesse and i was confused i was like why is he on the police
0: <laughs> no cj went to call the police and jesse came in there and just started stabbing him okay um so jesse put him in the bathtub with a knife sticking out of his head mm. Uh, cj heard jesse ask marissa who was cj's mom um asked marissa about cecil's car keys and her say she didn't want to die so at this point she'd been shot but was still alive okay um cj then saw jesse walk to the back bedrooms and heard screams and jesse telling the kids to shut up four-year-old samario asked to go to the restroom and came to where cj was and blood was coming out of his head And then CJ saw Samario collapse, and then CJ he says he fell asleep in the tub. He probably yeah probably passed out or maybe. And when he finally woke up, he saw firefighters. Hmm. So then, poor defense attorney uh, McAfee had the awful task of undermining his testimony. Like that? Oh my god! Like you're going up there knowing that you're just a piece of shit. Like how do you do that? Uh, I will say he was he was not like in attack mode like they were with the Willie Hill guy. They were you know. They were just like, let us ask you about this first statement yeah, you made. Okay. And that, that just, you know, basically was him trying to undermine it by questioning him again and again about the original right. statement. So, defense and prosecution kept going back and forth, back and forth about the original statement. And then CJ and the jury were asked to step out of the courtroom. Skein played the clip of CJ's original statement, and mm-hmm. the judge said it just sounded like a boy in and out of consciousness who hadn't been competent to right. answer questions. And he didn't
1: want the jury to see that and be swayed because he had just seen his father get killed all these people get killed he had a
0: freaking knife sticking out of his head and surgeries and god knows what so the defense argued that the state sent in the best child forensic interviewers so that so the statement should be okay to use and (laughs) make it okay okay Uh, the judge called a recess so he could decide but by the time he called court back both sides had decided against playing the tape for jurors okay supposedly jesse told defense attorneys to leave cj alone because he's considerate like that
1: oh
0: oh my goodness well isn't he just isn't he a peach Mm-mm. so cedric dodson who was five at the time and was now eight years old he was called to the stand and he was also not allowed to be videoed he he testified but his stories were very conflicting which really isn't a surprise You're right he, yeah he admitted he'd heard people talk about it over the years he claimed the adults were stabbed and he never heard any shootings. He claimed he saw it all happen, but then said he didn't see Uncle Jesse stab his parents. He stated there were men there he'd never seen fighting with his daddy in the living room. And this is the part that breaks my heart. He Come said, on. when it was over, CJ hopped on his bike and rode to their grandma's house. So Cedric hopped on his bike and went there too. And when he left, everyone was still laughing and having fun.
1: Oh my God. Like
0: I'm getting teared up just thinking about oh that poor little baby and i don't know why he was called to the to the stand if it was like for dramatic effects like to draw on jurors emotions but what the hell he was five when it happened it'd been two and a half years he didn't have a clear memory and he heard it discussed so he had gone through this super traumatic event did like you
1: said didn't have a clear memory and so he's just kind of put together what what he heard happened and what
0: he wishes happened. right that is just ruin me okay so the next uh, witness called was deputy director armstrong who had been promoted since the murders occurred um a big part of his testimony was in reference to the interview with jesse that wasn't recorded judge beasley had deemed the first 48 tapes inadmissible due to the fact that they've been edited and again memphis police at the time didn't record homicide interviews good job guys nice going so he testified about all of the tips they had received received from crime stoppers several of which named jesse as the suspect he explained that it wasn't he who approved the film crews being there. The city of Memphis had approved that before he even joined the division. Um, he even stated police get so caught up in what they're doing, they forget the film crews are even there, which that's not surprising. Right. You know, he was like, this was not done for a TV show. This was a case I wanted to solve. Right. He answered questions about the days following the discovery of the bodies, as well as decisions he made involving the case, such as not letting relatives in to see the children. You know, waiting until after his meeting with the DEA to discuss CJ's statement. He was questioned extensively about his interview with Jesse that ended with the confession. He stated that after Jesse confessed and requested a lawyer, Jesse stated, Lieutenant Armstrong, you lied to me. You told me you'd never judge me based on my worst day. And meanwhile, Armstrong was thinking he was sitting across the table from a psychopath. Yeah. During cross-examination, Skane asked for Armstrong and jurors to leave the courtroom and then asked the judge to declare a mistrial he claimed that since the interview wasn't recorded, there was no way to know for sure when Jesse lawyered up. Like, Did he request one when he first got there? Did he ask for one halfway through? How does anyone know with the exception of Lieutenant Armstrong? And are we just supposed to take his word for it? Judge Judge Beasley uh, denied the motion and called everyone back in. And when questioned by Skane about the lack of recordings or notes, Armstrong replied, you know, I don't know how long I'll live, but I can almost assure you this is an investigation I'll never forget. For all intents and purposes, there were supposed to be nine bodies in that house, but by the grace of God, three of them lived. I think it's pretty fair to say I'll never forget this as long as I live. Skane kept pushing that without a recorded interview, no one will ever know what was said between them for that seven-hour conversation. Criscilla Shaw, Jesse and Cecil's mother, she was the next person called to the stand.
1: Okay.
0: The defense actually tried to suppress her testimony, claiming she'd been acting for the police department to get information from Jesse. So the judge briefly called her in without the jury present and then questioned her and then divide, denied the defense's motion and allowed her to testify in front of the jury. Okay. Can you imagine how difficult that would be, though? No. Like she lost one son and two grandbabies to another son. Right. And, you know, I told you after he confessed, she told, you know, stood up, she hugged him, she right. told him she loved him, which is fair. I mean, it's her son right I, I i don't know what i would do i, I don't in that know. situation I mean, at all yeah even even nicole was like you can love a person and hate what they did but how do you get past that and then even if you are able to she now has to testify against her own son in a death penalty case hmm. she is a strong it's woman It's a heavy heavy case so she told the jury about jesse's freak out when the cops showed up to put them all in protective custody she said he put the gun to his head and said, bury me with my brother. She testified that a day or two later, Jesse had been taken out of protective custody and brought to the police station, but no one knew why. And then several hours later, police came and escorted her to the station because Jesse was asking to see her. She said she never imagined he would confess to this. Mm. Um, he told her, we got into it. He set the guns down. And when he set it down, I just started shooting. And she asked about the babies and asked if he did it and why. And he said, because they saw it. And, uh if I if you ever look this up look for the clip because she said she stated but the baby the baby and you could just hear Mm. the devastation in her voice Mm -hmm. and he just shook his head and said nothing like right because it was like a two-month-old what did this baby see and who's she gonna tell Mm. you fucking scumbag like I can't think of enough horrible things to say about this guy all the bad words that you you are all the bad stuff so she also testified that Jesse never mentioned his co- confession being coerced, but she did put in her original statement. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell? I don't know. Jesse Dotson, are you haunting <laughs> me? Are <laughs> oh, you still alive? One of her life's just been flashing. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so she did say in her, in her original statement to police that he was scared, which...
1: I mean, okay.
0: That's valid. Yeah. I mean... <laughs> just because you're scared doesn't mean you were coerced into confessing to killing right and you're like the most hated you person you should in be memphis. scared for your soul right now sir like you were the most hated person in memphis at the time it said that this was the um tied for like the highest mass murder in mm-hmm. tennessee mm-hmm. At, at the time because i'm sure it's going up since then and then like you just killed all these babies and prison people don't look kindly on... Baby killers. Yeah. I don't understand how they were able to hold this in Memphis, the case. They brought in Davidson County. Uh, the jury came from Davidson County because okay. they said it was cheaper to bring people in, in move the whole
1: trial. Okay. I was going to say, because that jury from
0: Memphis would be... You would have been mistrialed before it even started. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> For sure. So the state rested their case after 10 days of testimony and 36 witnesses and then during the defense turn, Jesse took the stand. He stated that he confessed because he was scared. Lieutenant Armstrong threatened to kill him. He yelled at him, and he banged his fists on the table. Oh, no. Can you just hear the sarcasm in my voice? So scary. He interviewed him for hours upon hours, and Jesse wasn't free to leave. He finally confessed, but it wasn't true. He'd never hurt his family. So did you think if he confessed, he'd get to leave? Come on, you stupid motherfucker. Come on. um he did keep his story pretty close to what really happened Mm -hmm. he spent the afternoon at cecil's cooking out drinking smoking not watching the memphis state game right they went to willie's house to get hollis's gun but here's where things get a little crazy supposedly cecil asked marissa to set up the guest room for hollis and shindry but she didn't feel like it so jesse being the super helpful guy that he was volunteered to do it oh while he was in the room he heard a scream so he hid under the bed like a badass <laughs> what he waited until it was quiet for a while then went into the living room he knew it once everyone was dead and he didn't p- call the police because it's like this oh what's it like y'all heard testimony about gangs i'm in a gang we don't call the police it's just that simple we don't call the police we steal our nephews bike and ride right off into the night it's not part of what we do <laughs> if i call the police i'd be just like my brother dead. Stop it. Oh, you fucking dick. So during cross-examination Lapone questioned, you just agreed to 95% of the state's case except the part where you didn't did it you. Did it, didn't you? <laughs> I so got that mixed up. <laughs> you just agreed to 95% of the state's case except the part where you did it, didn't you? Makes it, more sense. Yeah. <laughs> Jesse disagreed and when questioned that he was uh what he was doing when the children were screaming for their lives as they were being beaten and stabbed, he replied never heard no kids screaming bullshit he just waited until all the noise stopped and ran okay so all the kids got beaten
1: stabbed brutally nothing nothing he heard a couple gunshots hit under the bed and then ran away on a bike yeah on a nine-year-old's bike like you
0: went to the living room and saw everyone was dead but you didn't you didn't go check on the kids that you didn't hear getting freed so okay jesse why'd you confess well, Armstrong threatened him when he was yelling and pounding his hand, hands on the table. Okay. Lapone was like, you're telling me that as a kitchen crip. Not just a crip, a kitchen <laughs> crip. But he's like, you confess to six murders after a cop pounded his hands on a table. Yep. Really? Really. You badass. Yes. I I sure hope I have all the crips on my side if something. Okay, right. Down. Jesse got real animated then, claiming Armstrong threatened to kill his killing motherfucking ass. he told his mama they were trying to put it on him and she wanted to get him help but see he said he'd handle it and then he confessed when asked why he would stab his nine-year-old nephew who said i love you he said i didn't why would someone tell him to say that he's such a piece of shit cannot like so much anger (sighs) so on october 11th day 13 of trial both sides rested and gave their closing statements they then settled in for the long wait of a verdict was it a long wait the jury was back in 90 minutes okay they found Jesse Dodson guilty on all counts. Yeah. So during sentencing, he was sentenced to death six times over. His original execution date was March 2nd, 2012, four days to the day, four mm. years to the day. I was like, four days? <laughs> this all went really quick. <laughs> yeah. Four years to the day of the Leicester Street Massacre. Mm. Of course, this day came and went. He was still appealing his convictions. Is so it no, no appeals for you, sir. A new date was set for November 17th, 2015. And again, same. So during this time, Jesse was sentenced to an additional 120 years for the attempted murders of CJ, Cedric, and baby Sania. Mm-hmm. His appeals have been denied and all convictions upheld, but of course he's still chilling on death row. Cool. So I know at one point he was getting married, but I don't know if he did get married oh or if he's God. still married. And the three surviving children all, are all living with their maternal grandmother, who was Marissa Williams' mother. Um, they live a relatively private life, they don't talk about that night much, but they do see counselors to help with emotional support.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And when asked in a 2017 interview, how he felt about his uncle CJ stated, he's still my uncle. So I still love him, but I can't forgive him for what he did. Oh my God. He's such a bigger person than me. Right. Cause I'd be like, fuck him. I hope he burns in hell. A little bitch ass <laughs> bitch. You bitch ass bitch. Oh my God. So yeah, that's the horrible, horrible, horrible Lester street massacre. Thanks, I guess,
1: for joining me, <laughs> making me depressed. But you have wine. I, I mean, it's gone, but no.
0: No. <laughs> of course it it's is.
1: such a heavy case. It's so sad. That's a rough one. So sad. I must say, I love your notes are so refreshing on the paper. <laughs> I just love watching you read and just throw your paper on the ground. She's got I'm a stack so of paper change. and she literally, as she's talking, just like,
0: it on the ground as she continues talking. I was like, "Oh,
1: that was slick, that's Okay,
0: girl, you fancy. <laughs> okay. okay, well, I, uh, that's all for me. So. Yeah, maybe next week Sam will be here. Maybe she will. Who cares about school? <laughs> you are way too old to be trying to educate and better yourself. How dare you try to
1: better yourself? Come on, you're doing a good job. We love you. Study hard for your
0: tests. <laughs> okay, well, be awkward oh you got to do the awkward and the facey space and <laughs> follow us on all the things
1: what are we going to call you serial holic sister friend
0: <laughs> i'm a patreonite you are a patronite
1: you were the first Patreonite. i was follow us on all this stuff um, cerealhogsisters.com it got it, it, the it our, got the link to <laughs> our sorry all the lines gone <laughs> <laughs> the link to our instagram and our facey space and all that good junk is on there and that's it right i think so we should be awkward you We be, should i'll do, do we you want to be awkward yay okay, okay. bye, bye.